Hi, this is Bobby Ryan of the Detroit Red Wings, and you are listening to Empty Betters with Nick, Mack, and Harrison. Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to episode 60 of Empty Betters. I'm your host, Harrison Scholes. I'm going to toss it across the screen to my co-host, Nick Manella. How are we doing, buddy? I'm doing well. How about you? Sort of a hectic start to my week, but uh, can't complain. I had to go to the eye doctor today, and like, I really just, I fucking hate the eye doctor. I don't know why. It's not like anything is like really annoying or super painful, you know. It's just like really dumb in my opinion like <laughs> they just tell me how blind i am every time yeah, my prescription hasn't changed since i was in seventh grade uh, a lot hasn't changed since i was in seventh grade actually <laughs> but uh yeah like all they do is squirt drops in my eyes that burn like hell and then i have to like have a light shown in my eye and they're like no keep your eye open and i'm like i would except you just dilated my pupil and now you're shining like a uv light and like frying my brain no wonder why i can't make complete sentences and it takes three hours and of course it snowed last night so everyone's driving like a moron and basically that's what really grinds my gears everything's going wrong everything's going wrong you're looking good though fresh trim haven't seen you with the little fresh trim face in a long time yeah i had to break out the weed whacker but uh you know here i am like a baby boy and speaking of weed whacker, I'm going to toss it across the screen to our producer with a fresh new mullet, Mac Vogel. Looking good, especially with the hat. Thanks, guys. Yeah, um, I can't say my morning has been nearly as eventful as Nick's has. Uh, I slept until like, well, okay, I was awake, but, you know, I was in bed until like 1 p.m. But um, here we are. Uh it's kind of like my Saturday because I worked. Uh, I worked like yeah. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and now I got a couple of days off. So um, we're chilling. I'm excited for some hockey tonight and next couple of days. Uh, last night was kind of yeah. a bust. I know I tweeted out um, that when they said we would have 116 consecutive nights of hockey, they didn't mention that some of those nights there'd be one game and be a Senators game. So uh, yeah. felt a little bit cheated, but uh, I'm ready to watch some more hockey tonight. A lot of games on tap tonight. We're recording this on Tuesday, January 26, 2021. Uh, we got, I think, like 14 games on the night or something crazy. Last it's, night was... It's nuts. Yeah. It's well, a and, full and day. It's funny because last night was just Vancouver, Ottawa. Tonight we have a ton. And then I think tomorrow there's only like two games and one of them is Vancouver, yeah. Ottawa. So yep. um, I also want to say it's hard giving picks on the episode when you don't know like who – like a lot of these are back-to-backs, and I base a lot of my picks off who wins the first game. Very tough mm-hmm. to choose right now. I will say that. Um, and last week was not a good week for me, so we're going to get on the rebound here. We all had kind of a rough week with our picks last week. I'm not going to lie. I, I pulled myself out of one of my biggest holes ever, and I <laughs> like I think I finished like down four, but like that's a miracle in my book, so I'll take it. Yeah, I, I did okay as far as like – where I finished, but just the official EB picks were, were not the ones that ended up working out for me. So we're hoping to get a little bit better this week, build up some trust with you guys. We promise we know our shit. We'll get there. We're, we're it's a slow and steady process, especially to start a season like this. It's so unpredictable right now, but uh, feeling out process. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm going to toss it off to Nick to take us through the league news. Uh, it's also worth noting we have a very big interview guest on today. Uh, Russian Machine Never Breaks founder, Ian Olland. So much fun. That Great was a good one. Uh, uh, Mac, you go. I'm sorry. Yeah, really nice guy. Um, had a lot to say about hockey in general, about Caps hockey, obviously, and um, just about kind of – uh, so, some, some good life advice as far as following, uh, your dreams of what you want to do and, and that kind of stuff too. So I'm excited for all you listeners to hear this one. Yeah. Especially all the caps fans out there. We know there's a lot of you guys listening. So, uh, this will be a good one for y'all. And he honestly, he, he was kind of like a inspiration to me as we got talking through the interview. He's, uh, you know, we're following not the exact same path, but we're trying to follow a similar path that he did. So you know, kudos to him. He's he's doing what he loves, and that's awesome. Uh, but I'm going to toss it off to Nick to walk us through the league news right now. Thanks, man. So ex-Arizona Coyotes GM John Chaka has been suspended by the league through 2021. Uh, Gary Bettman made the statement on Monday basically saying that Chaka engaged in conduct detrimental to the league and the game. And basically this was all down to the fact that he was pretty much trying to find himself a new job and was like talking to other teams while he was still um, on terms with the coyotes. So that's where his suspension comes from. Uh, obviously they have uh, Doug Armstrong, if I'm not mistaken in there now, uh, but it'll be interesting to see if someone gives Cheka another look. Cause I thought he did some good things for that team. Obviously you've probably heard like about this by now, but the Washington Capitals will be without OV, Dmitry Orlov, Ilya Samsonov, and Kuzi for at least four games. Uh, these guys broke the COVID protocol by gathering in someone's hotel room and hanging out. So obviously the league came down pretty hard on them. This was the first club to basically directly violate uh, the NHL's protocol. So they hit him with a $100,000 fine as an organization. Uh, definitely not something you want to be doing. I think it's, it's no doubt that they're in the wrong. I know there was a lot of pushback on social media for, you know, people were saying, Hey, if they're, they're next to each other on the bench, you know, hawking up nose darts and, uh, you know, spitting all over each other and running into each other in practice, you know, what's the big deal if four guys are sitting in a hotel room together. But, uh, right now the the rules are the rules and you got to watch out for your teammates if you're going to, uh, want to be successful this year. So, uh, they've played two games or three games, I believe, without them in the lineup. There's a chance that they're out for longer, but as far as we've been told, it's at least four as of right now. Yeah, and I thought they actually um, they looked okay those first two games without all those big guys. I mean, clearly some big pieces to the team there, but um, I got to say, uh, looking at the lineup for that first Buffalo game with none of those guys in the lineup – on paper, it did not look like a team that was missing four of their biggest pieces, um, which I think speaks a lot to how deep the Caps are and how uh, how young some of our players are. It was cool to see McMichael get into a game. Um, I didn't get to watch that one. I had to work, but um, just glad that he at least kind of broke through that NHL. Um, sometimes it's just a matter of getting that one out, out of the way. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I'm... I, Obviously, you never want to see something like this happen, but I think that it's it's been interesting and it will continue to be interesting to see how um, some of the younger Caps can step up and hopefully take some of the weight off those guys' shoulders. Correct me if I'm wrong, because I think I am, but I thought I read this. 
Didn't the did the league suspend those four guys, or did the cap suspend them as a result of the league finding the organization? Does anybody the team know? did. The team did. Okay, that's what. Yeah. I thought. thought that was kind of interesting. No yeah. real comment on that. Just, just and they have to it. jump through like the usual hurdles because I think there was like a positive test like somewhere, so they're going to have to be tested and cleared before yeah. they can come back. So I think that's why they, they were saying those four games would be the soonest that that could happen. Right. Yep. So it wasn't like straight up just them being like, we're benching you guys, but it was kind of a, a combination of like, well, you wouldn't be able to play anyway. And also we're just definitively saying that you're not for now. Yeah. Just thought that was worth noting. Sure. Uh, moving on down the list, the Caps opponent for the better part of last week, the Buffalo Sabres put Dylan Cousins back on the taxi squad after scoring his first NHL goal in exchange for Casey Middlestat to come back into the lineup. I personally think this is a garbage move. Very, very much a classic Sabres move. You take a guy that basically was doing what Middlestat was supposed to do in his first NHL season, and you're like, I know, let's get rid of the guy that's doing it right and put in the guy that we've been struggling to get to produce for what, like two years now. Pretty much. This is, this is, this is how you lose Eichel. <laughs> like don't he look, Dylan looked, uh, he looked really good in his first game. That, that shot he had was incredible. That was a snipe. Yeah. When I read this news, I had to double take and uh, make sure uh, it wasn't the Panthers that we we're reading about. Cause it really just sounded like a total Florida move, but uh, yeah, I guess there's some other stupid teams out there. Um, dumb move. Yeah. Guy scores his first goal. I've, I have two like philosophies and I would say one of them guy scores his first goal. He's playing the next, he's playing the next game. Like, I don't care. Keep, keep him going. Um, and anytime a goalie gets a shutout, I don't care if it's back-to-back games, he starts the next game. I've never been, never been a goalie after a shutout. I love that energy. Don't hate that at all. Uh, Bowen Byron made his NHL debut with the abs last week against the Kings. Did you guys catch any of that game and saw how he looked? Yeah, they lost. Yeah, exactly. Me money. Yeah, same. (laughs) Uh, Moving on, the Chicago Blackhawks have placed forward uh, Alex DeBrinkett and Adam Boquist on the league's COVID-19 protocol list. Uh, That doesn't necessarily mean that they have it. This is just this lovely term protocol that we've been, you know, blessed with uh, this and last year. So uh, these guys could be out anywhere between, you know, a game to a week. So uh, definitely something to keep your eye on if you're a Hawks fan. To bring it yet uh, another fantasy player that goes down for me due to COVID. For all you listeners, I literally, I literally have Ovechkin, Kuznetsov, Samsonov, to bring it, but I'm hanging in there. We're, we're chilling. It'll be all right. So your your fantasy team is basically the Caps right now. Basically, which I, yeah. you know, I'm a classic homer. Like I kind of deserve to get fucked for this one, but it's <laughs> the way it goes. Uh, today is the great one's birthday. Wayne Gretzky, the greatest hockey player to ever lace them up, turned 60 today. So happy birthday, Wayne. Mac, your dad met him? Yeah, yeah I was did you like, see that losing photo? my mind. I, saw I that was on, losing my mind when I saw, I saw that. I saw that on Instagram. I was like, holy shit. Like, did you see the cool. caption? Yeah. Yeah, was, the caption was, cool. was funny. Yeah. I was jealous. Very much he, so. He's met uh I, I actually didn't know he met Matt Gretzky. It doesn't surprise me, but I, I know the big one for him was meeting Bobby Orr a while back because as he mentioned That's when he was on cool. our show, he was a big Bruins fan growing up. So um there's a cool picture of the two of them together. I feel like if I met Gretz, I would just like vomit on spot. Um <laughs> 
Moving on, Seattle Kraken have named their broadcaster for the upcoming season, and it's going to be NBC's John Forsland. Uh, if you don't recognize this guy's name, I guarantee you I've heard you've heard him call a hockey game before. He was the voice of the Hurricanes for like 25 years, and he does uh, NBCSN broadcasts. You know, I you know he's all over the place. So I, I thought he was still doing the Canes games, but I guess not. I don't know. Now I guess you know the grass is greener in Seattle. No pun intended. So he's going up there. He's good. I like him a lot. I there aren't a lot of announcers that I'm fans of these days. Uh, my favorite, obviously, retired now. Um, but I'd say Forslund's definitely a top two hockey announcer. Also worth noting, completely unrelated but somewhat related. Gary Thorne got let go by the Orioles. Did he really? Yeah. Nah. What the hell? Yeah. It's unless like bullshit. I'm. That, that, that is bullshit unless he's coming back to hockey. Then I, I was going to say, he better, he better come back to hockey then. Well, this kind of ties – well, I'm going to go somewhere with this, but this kind of ties into Nick's next point, and I'll elaborate yeah. on my thought after Nick talks about this. So speaking of NBC and NBCSN, uh, NBC Universal announced on Friday the 22nd that they're basically cutting the NBC Sports Network uh, or NBCSN by the end of this year. So this has – pretty serious implications for a lot of sports. Uh, this affects me personally in terms of being a NASCAR fan and a racing fan, because that's going to royally fuck up all that nonsense. But even more so as a hockey fan, we're not losing anything per se, but basically the NHL national broadcasts that were on NBCSN are going to gradually be moved over to the USA network, which falls under that same umbrella. So just be prepared to be watching. No, this is actually a win-win for me because I can sit on the couch uh, and I can put on USA and say to my girlfriend, "Hey, look, here's Olivia Benson, you know, <laughs> dissecting some chopped up corpse that was like, you know, sexually assaulted on SVU." And then it's like, you know, when she's expecting the next episode to come on, it's like, "Oh, <laughs> shit, sorry, Caps Penguins, here we go. My bad." Oh my god. Oh my god. Wow. Jesus Christ. Oh wow. That uh that was like that was like scary accurate where where your brain just went. I could tell you put some thought into that one. Yeah. Um, so here's my thought. I mean, I, so they say USA gets more USA network gets more views, which fine, great. Win-win. It's just do they play sports on USA network? Like are sports fans going to know? Like they have occasionally, like I feel like they've had some stuff here and there. I want to say they've even had it where, like, um, when March Madness is going on, you know how like yeah. occasionally a game will be on like, like TBS or something like that. Yeah, you know? they put them on it's, TBS and like, like some or some shit. Exactly. <laughs> I think sometimes yeah. USA ends up with like an odd game here and there when you know there's a big tournament of some sort going on, but they're certainly not like a household like sports <laughs> network. You know, no, they're not so, in like my repertoire of like when I turn on the TV and I scroll through to see what sports are on. I don't usually go over USA, but I'm also that person that like I have Comcast. So I open that little like sports window and then like select yeah. the game and then hit watch. So I'm not actively searching for the network, if that makes sense. So hopefully a, that's not like too big of a deal. I'm a peasant. I scroll through like all the way from like 802 to channel 858 Comcast users. You know what my struggle is. Um so we don't have a TV deal done already, right? That's still in the that's still in the loom. Okay. So going back to the Gary Thorne thought, 
Gary Thorne was the voice of ESPN hockey right before the 2005 lockout, and then we lost him. Um, this would be a great time for a reunion. This would be a great time for the NHL to sign with a big sports network and finally get their viewership up. And we could maybe, you know, put baseball in the back burner. Like maybe we could get ahead of baseball. I'm thinking optimistically here. We're not going to catch NBA or NFL. I, I accept that. It is what it is. Um, but I mean, I don't know. I just USA Network. They lost their main their main TV uh, announcer in Doc Emmerich. Kind of needs something new, something fresh. Give give the league a new TV presentation, new network, new main announcer. I'm I'm all Gary, for it. Gary, Gary's Gary, awesome. he's don't get Gary. me wrong. I think he's got one of the best voices specifically for baseball because he's just got such a calm voice and like. It really yeah. pairs well with just a you know the chill atmosphere of a baseball game. But man, some of those hockey games that that he called were just beautiful. I They're love awesome. he, he's just the the fact is he's just a great commentator in general. You could probably have him call like a game of darts or some shit, and it'd be great. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the best calls is when he's doing the Tampa game. Uh, I think it was Game Seven, two thousand four, and Fedotenko rips the one time. He's like. And I'm like, yep. I love that shit. Yes. He called Sparty's uh, Frozen Four win over BC in 2007 when Justin Abdelkader scored with like 17 seconds left. And it's like, I watch that video all the time and I still get goosebumps. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. I also loved him as like the, the broadcaster for the NHL games. I wish they would have just stuck with him instead of moving it. I, I like, I, it was cool when they moved it to Doc. I'm not a big fan of the guy that's doing it now. Uh, just maybe I haven't had like enough time to get used to it, but um, yeah, I would have preferred them going with someone like him instead. God. Yeah. Now all I can think is Tanko. That's such a cool a call. Great. I love that one. It's a great call. Uh, moving on. The Washington capitals released their new alternate uniforms two days ago. Now, uh what are your guys thoughts on this basically this uniform if you couldn't tell is like a baby of the 2018 stadium series and the 2015 winter classic so it's sort of like a a mesh of those two designs what do you guys think of it because i know one of the people voted on our poll on instagram that he hated it uh so i'm, I'm really interested to hear the reasoning behind that mac why do you hate him <laughs> I, I, I'm a, I'm not going to say I'm a big fan, but I, I like them. I think they're sharp. I like the blue. I, I think we look good in blue. Um, but I don't know. I think they're a little, I mean, they're pretty simple, which is not automatically a bad thing. I think the best part of them is that the W actually has the Washington monument in it at the top. A lot of people didn't notice that, but that's a cool little feature. Um, I know a lot of people were saying like, oh, why didn't they put the Weagle on there? I don't think so. I, I think the Weagle is um, a much better shoulder logo. I think it's a little too cheesy to be like our, our main chest logo. That's just my thought on it. Um, but I do kind of wish one day we'd end up back in black uh, rocking those big Capitol Dome jerseys because those things are just too hot. Those are the goats. I, I, I love those. I, I will say I'm a, I'm a sucker for 
like you can't really go wrong with red, white, and blue. I feel like it's just a great color combo in general. I don't really like the white shoulders. That's the only thing I'll say on home jerseys. It just seems like it's too much going on for my eyes. That's not saying much because I get distracted easily. But um, other than that, yeah, they look kind of sharp. I also was kidding when I said that you voted that you hated them. I thought that would be me. Right? Did no, I? I, know. I thought, yeah, you yeah, voted yeah. that you hated them. Oh, well, you know, whatever. Yeah. You were one of like the eight people that responded yeah. to our story saying you hated them. Um, I, I actually, you I agree mad with about you. That. I, no, I'm not, because okay. I know you're just messing with me. I agree with you in the sense that I'm not a big fan of like shoulder blocking on like the dark home uniform. I like it, Mac. I like it on the jersey you have on now, just because that's classic and I think it works. On this blue one, I'm not completely sold on it and uh, mac i sort of got to agree with you too it's like take the lesson that you learned from having the highest selling reverse retro jersey and slap the capitol building on this thing and it's going to be like a second home run this thing is going to sell out in seconds and people are going to go nuts for it yeah everybody wanted the screaming eagle and you saw what happened when they brought that back like you said the jerseys sold out everywhere like immediately and so you know give us what we want give us the Give us the dome, baby. Give the people what they want. Which is uh, dumb. We actually, which is dumb. <laughs> <laughs> we actually have a couple of uh, trades that happened. Uh, hands down, the big one has to be the one between Colorado and Minnesota. So Minnesota receives Ian Cole and Colorado gets Greg Pattern. So uh, this was a blockbuster. What do you guys think about that one? I just think I want to see how many people understand sarcasm because I bought that for a second. Um, love Ian Cole. Miss him. You know, Bill Guerin gets a guy that he uh, was an assistant GM on back-to-back cups. I think there's a little home, Homer love there. So whatever. I'm excited to talk about the next one, though. Yeah. Uh, so this basically is like our first blockbuster deal of the year. And honestly, I feel like it's been – a little while since we've had a trade with this much sort of oomph behind it, but Winnipeg and Columbus swapping big guys. So Winnipeg's going to get Pierre-Luc Dubois after that whole benching saga with him and Torts and a third rounder in 2022. And Columbus is going to get Patrick Line and Jack Roslovic, who I believe was a former lineate of Mr. Dan DeSalvo, friend of the program. Yeah, you're right. Uh, one is- thing worth noting that I think a lot of people forget is, uh, they were the second and third pick in 2016 after Matthews. So they just swapped. Pretty interesting. Thoughts on the trade? Um, Line A and Torts is going to be just as entertaining, if not more entertaining, than Luke Dubois and Torts. I am very excited. Torts is the best thing in the NHL. He really is. Yeah, he's a yeah. walking soundbite. He doesn't give a shit. And he's going to lay it to you. How what he's gonna lay whatever's on his mind just straight out on the microphone, and I, he's just I think a true, a, true American hard ass hockey coach. Yeah. that's just like he's a national treasure mixed yeah. with like a pissed off old man that we all have sitting like deep down inside of us. <laughs> yeah. What do you? What, I mean, I, so immediate knee jerk reaction: who wins the trade? I'd say, I'd say Columbus, honestly. Yeah, Columbus in the sense of. Roslovic. I think he's a great player and they just locked him up for two years. Well, put it this yeah. way. I could see Line A. Like I 
I would be much more surprised if Line A like didn't do anything in Columbus at all than I would be if PL Dubois like was kind of a bust in Winnipeg. Like if if PL Dubois does not have a good year at all this season in Winnipeg, I will not be that surprised. Um, but if if Line A like has a bum year in Columbus, I will be surprised. So that's why I think that Columbus comes out on top. I think Winnipeg, I mean, Jesus, they're they're deep down the middle now, though. I mean, yeah. that's something to keep your eye on. And credit to Columbus, though. They, they've they been goal-starved all year, and they were like, we're not like going to sit around and try and fix this in-house. Let's go get a guy who's basically the closest thing you can get in terms of Ovi in power play production and shot. So uh, they go out and bring in Patty Line. So it'll be yeah, interesting to see what happens. That's a thing too on the power play. This guy is a a freaking weapon. Like you can if you if you center your power play around this guy, you're gonna have success. It's pretty pretty uh, hard to believe that he won't be a big impact there moving forward. I think one of the underrated things that people might not think about is, you know, in my opinion, the most important part of the power play is whoever your quote unquote quarterback is, and Columbus has Wierenski and Jones, whoever they see fit. Now you got them feeding him on the half wall. I mean, that's that he's going to be in Ovi's office the entire time. I think that'll work real well. So, um, you know, we'll see. Uh, Winnipeg actually has looked pretty decent so far up to this point. So I'm curious to see how this shakes things up. This is a I'm trade also, that I would expect. Go ahead, Mac. I was just going to say I'm also excited because I have Warunski on my fantasy team, and I'm Jesus thinking Christ. maybe he'll get some, maybe he'll get some power play points, some nice assists, some like uh, residual Harry points about. there. He's exactly. probably going to get COVID. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I was going to say, I feel like this is a trade where it's going to benefit Winnipeg in the short term and Columbus in the long term. Like, I feel like it's going to help Winnipeg a lot more this season, but down the road, I feel like it's going to help Columbus a lot more. Uh, maybe. I uh, Isn't isn't Line A on like a two-year deal right now or something? He just signed it over the offseason. Yeah. I can't really imagine him staying there, but I could be wrong. We'll see. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. But I, I think everyone was so I mean, Winnipeg, the day after this happened, went out and shit pumped Tampa. I think they were just so relieved or Columbus went out and shit pumped Tampa. I think they were just so relieved for this whole drama thing to be over that they were like, All right, screw this. Let's go have some fun. Onto a new drama. Exactly. I guarantee it. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so some injuries to get to Ducks defenseman Josh Manson is going to miss six weeks due to a oblique injury. That sucks for the Ducks who aren't really that good anyways. Uh, the Rangers, I think this is the big one on here. Uh, they're yeah. losing Philip Heedle for four to six weeks with an upper body injury and they're already not doing too hot. So that's a ball buster for sure. Uh, big time Tommy Wilson uh, has been chipping in basically everywhere for the caps. And if losing, you know, your Russian four wasn't enough, uh, he's day to day with, I believe it's a lower body injury and is going to be a game time decision tonight, the 26th against the New York Islanders. So it'll be interesting to see if he comes back and the penguins, Evan Rodriguez, Rodriguez, sorry, is out long-term with a lower body injury. Do you know exactly what that is or what long-term means or nope. no? No, okay. the pens are decimated. One thing I do want to say, um, if you follow NHL discussion, then you know. If you don't, you really should. They're probably the best NHL page on any social media platform, in my opinion, but definitely on Instagram. Ch- Ch- Chidal, Jesus. 
Um, he's been their best player so far this year. And, it's, and not just in terms of like eye test, but like Corsi rating too. Just saw that today when they posted it. This is a big blow for them. Yeah, I was going to say I, the Philip Hedel loss could be enough to sink the Rangers. Like that's one of those that you might, in a, in a short season, you might not be able to to overcome an issue like that. Four to six weeks in a 56 game season is that's a backbreaker for sure. And yeah, I I feel like an absolute idiot now for picking them to make the playoffs, but whatever crazier things can happen. I don't don't think it'll sink them, but it'll make things a little more challenging. They're a young team. Mark's not worried. If Mark's not worried, then I'm not worried because you know, that means that means the world to me. So (laughs) I'm sure I'm I'm kidding. (laughs) No, I know it does. I know you care about New York. Yeah. Uh, stop. Uh, so I think it's about time we toss it off to Ian Olin, but I think before we do that, Harry wants to talk to us a little bit about something near and dear to his heart. And that would be brackish life. Yes. I would love to talk about brackish life. Let me talk to you about it right now. If you're like us and grew up on the water and outdoors, then brackish life is perfect for you. They have a wide selection of gear from UV shirts to hoodies and hats. It's Real Bay Apparel made by Real Bay people. Head to www.brackish.life today to check them out. A little salty, a little fresh, Brackish Life. Brackish Life has also teamed up with Rink to Reef Chesapeake Bay to preserve the area many of us call home. Rink to Reef repurposes broken hockey sticks into oyster restoration habitats. Brackish Life donates a portion of their proceeds to Rink to Reef to further preserve the beautiful Chesapeake Bay area. Support this great cause by checking out www.brackish.life today. Uh, you guys might not be able to see this if you're only listening to podcasts, but Max is sporting one of their hats right now. They have the comfiest long sleeves in the game. Highly recommend. Go check them out. Support small businesses. Um, we're going to toss it off to Ian right now. Alrighty, everyone, it is now my pleasure to welcome on the creator of the website, Russian Machine Never Breaks, a really popular Capitals blog in our area, Mr. Ian Olin. Thank you so much for taking the time to sit down with us today. Absolutely, guys. Thanks for having me. Of course. So what's going on with you lately? I know we're all excited for this hockey season to start up again. I can see you've got the reverse retro sweatshirt on that looks fantastic. You've got the Ryan Ellis Russian machine racing hood behind you, the cup right there. I mean, the setup is just glorious. How's life been treating you? Uh, life's been, you know, treating me pretty good. Um, I'm happy to have hockey back too. Uh, though, you know, part of me worries about everybody's safety all the time, uh, just because this year is a little bit, uh, more open, I guess I would say, in terms of like how the the COVID can get into a team. But um, I'm happy to just have the sport back, to have our community back. Oh man, as an extroverted person, uh, you know, having like one or two comments a story and just there being crickets for like three or four months, uh, that's been tough. But uh, yeah, I feel really grateful to to have more hockey. And I think there's going to be like 11 months of it this year. So I'm trying to pace myself. Yeah, we're in the middle of, I think it's like 126 consecutive days of there being hockey on TV. So um, it's just like a, a dream come true for me. So why don't we start this by you telling us a little bit about, you know, how you, you know, where you grew up, you know, where you come from and how you sort of got into the game itself. Sure. Uh, that's Oh, that's a great question. So um, I first kind of got, got into the game when I was probably in middle school or maybe a fifth grader. I, I don't completely remember, but I remember walking downstairs from in my house uh, in Braddock Heights. Uh, and my brother was 
watching a Capitals game, and I remember it was a big dude, a big defenseman. It was Mark Tenorti. And, you know, Mark Tenorti was like six foot five. And he checked this guy into the glass. And the guy's head just bounced off the glass and he fell into the ice. And I was like, whoa. And I was like, is that illegal? And my brother was like, nope, totally okay. And, I was like, and that kind of sparked my interest, like that brutality of the sport, I guess, as a kid, uh, you know, not really understanding the risk, <laughs> I guess. But um, I loved how fast the game was. Um, I really loved the capital sweaters of, of, uh, of the Screaming Eagle back then. It was like, I think it was 1994. I think, or 1995, something like that. Um, and so a few months later, after me and my brother had started watching games, uh, he got us tickets at the USA Arena uh, to see the Capitals play the uh, New York Rangers. And so we went, it was on like January 6th, I think of, that, of 96, 97. And uh, that game we went, uh, I remember Steve Walchuk scored two goals in the first two periods. And uh, I remember going down to the uh, like like the lower bowl because we were sitting up in the nosebleeds. And as the players came out, uh, I remember Kano Walchuk. I, I was like, "Are you gonna get a hat trick, Kano?" And he like fist bumped me going back on the ice. And then like uh, I think it was like six minutes into the third period, he scored a hat trick goal. So my first game that I ever went to was a hat trick. And then I was jumping up and down, you know, going crazy, uh, acting like. You know, Kano, Kano, you know, he was going to score the hat trick. He did it for me and stuff like that, you know, and um, just the whole atmosphere, how emotional celebrations were, um, how hard it is to score goals. Uh, I just fell in love with the sport then. And there's really nothing in my life that has ever been as as thrilling as a hockey game. Uh, I love the randomness of it. Um, you know, sometimes you're the better team, but if you don't play really, really hard, you could lose the last place team. And, uh, you know, I, I love the personalities on the ice. The players were always so super nice. I remember going to Piney Orchard as a kid, like getting autographs from kids and like Ken Klee patting me on the head. Like all the guys were just really nice. And they were all ambassadors of the sport. And it, it, it was just hard not to root for the guys and fall in love with the sport. So uh, that's kind of how it began for me, at least the uh, falling in love with hockey. That's I, I, I don't think I can think of like a better story for you to like get hooked on the game. Like, you know, the guy who fist bumps you, who's already got two in like the first two periods goes out and gets a third one. And I mean, I think that would just do it for anyone. So, and you know, I, I completely agree, you know, talking about the guys like around that sort of era of those caps teams. I remember uh, we, used, my dad had season tickets for a while and we used to get like a, a signed card by every member of the team uh, around Christmas time. It was just, you know, um, you felt like they were a part of the community and they used to do, you know, so much and they still do a lot in the community, but, you know, especially in the days when they weren't as good, if that makes sense, um, mm -hmm. you felt like you knew those guys a little bit better. Yeah, absolutely. It's like once the team got a little bit better, it, 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 there becomes a distance, you know what I mean? And, uh, and everything's been professionalized, uh, even throughout the autograph industry that, that absolutely it's, it's totally different now from what it was before. I love what you said about the guys being ambassadors of the sport too. Cause I, I think it really says a lot about hockey players and um, you know, I feel like anybody who is a big fan of any sport would love to kind of say that they feel like their guys are the best, but I really do think that hockey players are just a different, especially at the NHL level, just a different type of 
um, considerate and, and just representatives of, of good human beings and pro athletes, you know, it's good to see that. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I couldn't disagree. I couldn't agree with that more. I mean, um, and like I said, as, as, you know, you know, even even the first couple of years of the Ovechkin era, you know, this is so e- that guys were so accessible, and uh, I really, you know, the Capitals conventions that they used to have, um, I really think that that just created such a passionate fan base that was already kind of there, but it really just made it build. Where you know, with hockey, you just you know, as there's been more and more individuality with players, uh, I think that's really helped the sport, and I think Ovi's a great example of that of just being different, you know, and embracing that. I love how you, uh, you mentioned Tenorti at the start. I've actually gotten to tailgate with him at a, a couple Ravens games. My, my buddy, my buddy's really? sister is dating his son. Yeah. So, and it now it's full circle. Cause now he's got a kid in the NHL. Uh, so that's pretty cool. Yeah. And he's a banger too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh Absolutely. my gosh. Um, so, uh, I love what you were saying about Ovi just being, you know, sort of that, you know, individualistic, you know, standout personality and, you know, it was sort of breaking a wall for him to sort of doing that. But, you know, I'd like when I was growing up and I was playing and I'm sure, I don't know if Mac did this too. I guarantee you Harrison didn't, but like I had yellow laces. I used to try and tuck my Jersey in until I got yelled at. Like it was just, you know, you wanted to be like him. So um, I had the U plus crazy lights for there, quite, there quite some time yeah. until I grew out of them. So. <laughs> oh my gosh. Great. I mean, I play I play ball hockey with uh, one of his uh, CCM sticks, and I got my son Ethan uh, like one of the baby junior ones that are like this big, uh, and like I, I posted it the other day, and one of my like uh, beer leaguer friends, uh, Eric, uh, saw that on my Facebook page. I was like, "Why are you playing ball hockey with that?" <laughs> you know what I mean? But it's just like I don't know. It's just any way you can show support to the guys you love. <laughs> you know what I mean? Exactly. Boy, that thing has a banana curve, though. Oh my it's God. a fish hook. <laughs> so uh, I, I've launched like ten shots in the outer space. <laughs> <laughs> so how did this whole you know Russian machine never breaks thing start? You know, who else was involved? Where did the idea come from? And what made you sort of just go, all right, you know what, I'm doing this? Oh, that's a oh, that's a great question. So um, it actually starts with the Baltimore Orioles. Um, and it was completely random. Uh, so I had graduated from UMBC, uh, I think at that point I was 22. Uh, and my roommate at the time, Daniel Morose, had uh, a blog, a, an Orioles blog called Frost King Baseball. Uh, I think Frost King in Russian was like, <laughs> I think that was the nickname for Santa. <laughs> I don't know. It was, it was really weird. <laughs> I love where this day. is going. <laughs> but anyways, uh, he was my roommate uh, in Owings Mills when we lived there. And he had done the Frost King thing. And then he had noticed that there were a lot of people doing Chuck Norris facts for Matt Weeders, who was their first uh, first like uh, first round pick. I forget what year now. It's, it's all a blur. But uh, he started collecting these Chuck, Chuck Norris facts of Matt Weeders. And he put him in a Blogspot blog, and there was like, and they were just ridiculous, you know. I, I can't even remember any of the any of the sayings anymore. Uh, but like, it started getting a ton of traffic on Google, uh, and it was getting like like fifty times more hits than his his hardworking 
like uh, Frost King Baseball Analysis blog was, even though that was way better. Like he was actually, uh, he's, uh, I, I don't know if he's still covering the Orioles. He, he does Camden Crazies, or, or he did. Uh, but he is, he was just, he's a brilliant analytical mind. Um, and so he created this Matt Weeders fact site and I had gone to school for art and I looked at it and I was like, well, do you want me to design the website for this? Maybe we can, you know, make some really funny shirts and, and just see where it goes. And, and maybe it'll give it more attention because people clearly find it funny and like it. So I designed the site and we did some shirts and I made a fake like hall of fame plaque and, uh, the hall of fame plaque just went nuts on on i think i think social media was around then I, again i can't remember anything but um but uh so i made this hall of fame plaque for this guy in the minor leagues that wasn't even in baseball yet and we made it really ridiculous uh you know like he hit like 1500 home runs in the major leagues and won like 15 world series and so that kind of spread on the internet and uh and then weeders was asked about it on baseball america and he, he made some kind of joke about it, about finding the site, you know, really silly. And that was just like so exhilarating and fun. And then every time Weeders went to, so he was playing in the minors, and every time he went to a new town, that major newspaper would write about Weeders. And then because our site was so ridiculous, they'd always either mention us or write about us or ask about us. And so the website started like picking up steam. Like it went from getting like 500 hits a day to like getting like, on his debut, it was like 30, 40,000, I think. And, and ESPN mentioned and linked to us. And I remember on SportsCenter that night, I believe they mentioned or hinted as on SportsCenter during his, his major league debut. And that whole process was so fun. And, it, you know, for me, you know, you don't really know what your dreams are necessarily when you come out of college, like what's possible, what's not. But it's just like, wow, this was, this was so fun and I'm good at it. And it gives me confidence and I love sports. And this is a way I can kind of give back to the community. So obviously I love the Capitals, you know, more than anything in life. And I had gotten a lot of attention from, from weeders. And so I reached out first to my brother who was a journalist and, and I'll share that backstory too. Uh, and uh, Peter Hassett, who went to Frederick high with me, um, he was a year older than me and I didn't, I wasn't necessarily like really close friends with him, but like, Peter wrote like a live journal or something and it was incredible. And anything that Peter wrote about was captivating. And I was like, if I could write and share a space with someone, this is the guy I'd want to do it with because, you know, he just, he really is entertaining and fun and smart. Like he, he lifts the dialogue to another level that other people can't. And so I all told him my idea about covering the capitals. And so my old roommate, Daniel Morose was in my brother, Brandon was in, Peter was in, uh, and I think that was pretty much the group getting started. And I, I remember this, uh, Japers uh, and On Frozen Blog and the DC Sports Blog were incredible about welcoming us uh, when we first started and like linking to us. And I remember we had like 2,000 Twitter followers by like our first week. And that's when I knew we might have something special just because you know, we weren't going to be toiling for years trying to get followers. We had some promotional outlets and we were averaging about, you know, like 500, 500 to a thousand hits, like already when we were first starting. And so 
it, and then the content we were making was so fun and such an alternative to other people that, um, you know, eventually it just, it really took off. And so those are kind of the founders of the site and the people who, who helped us get going. I never had any intention of writing, to be honest. I just had an intention of, of doing promotion and doing art and doing shirts and doing other fun things like that. And now I'm like the main writer of the site and uh, it, it's, it's been a crazy ride. One of the reasons why I also wanted to do it too was my brother. My brother went to journalism school at the University of Maryland. And our role was like, I was kind of like the athlete in the family. I played basketball on, on my high school team in Frederick High. I was on the varsity team. And my brother was like, I don't know if he was the editor, but he was like one of the main writers of the Frederick High School paper. And so me and my brother would always talk. He, I think he interviewed me sometimes for stories. And so I kind of had, I kind of saw that relationship between journalist and an athlete. And we always talked about what were good stories and what weren't. Like, you know, even though I love Michael Wilbon, like, you know, we thought that he wasn't necessarily the greatest columnist uh, just because like some of his columns were a little lazy with the way he would go about them. We talked about other people who wrote good stuff. Um, and, you know, that kind of like constantly kind of going back and forth between like what was good journalism, what wasn't. I was becoming a journalist in those moments and I didn't even realize it. And so um, I kind of had this art promotional background. Uh, then I had this journalism background just through my brother, just from, from talking with him and absorbing from him and his incredible education at the University of Maryland. It, it kind of just made it really well suited for this. And especially at a time where newspapers were going digital um, and everybody was trying to figure out social media, the skills that I had really translated well to the movement that was happening at that point in time in 2009. And so we kind of created a, an incredible community for ourselves. We created alternative content um, that was more fun and, and kind of fit hockey better. And, and it just worked. Um, I, you know, I think we worked our butts off, but I also think it was just, we were there at the right point in the right time and just kind of got lucky a little bit too, you know? Wow. That was awesome. That's a great story. I love that. I love that. Um, you, you give me hope because obviously we love doing this. But then when you said you got 2,000 followers in a, like a couple of weeks, I was like, oh, man, so we got a long way to go. But, yeah, that's, that's, a, great, that's, a, that's a great story at perfect well, I'll have to, I'll have to I'll have to endorse you guys after this and, and give you some retweets and stuff. But, yeah, no, that's, that's you know, I think, I think that's something I need to work on personally is remembering that other people have this dream and, and helping them achieve it too, uh, you know, because, uh, you know, Ted Leonsis said this a long time ago, and I didn't necessarily believe it, but it's true, is that a rising tide floats all boats. So, you know, there might be some people that, that love you guys, uh, and, if, and if your boat floats, it floats our boat a little bit more, it makes more people passionate about Capitals hockey, which is what we need, you know, and, um, you know, so that's, that's one thing that, that I always try to keep in mind is just to try and give back as much as I can when I have the time, which, which isn't a lot, unfortunately, because my babbling bundle of joy of, of Ethan, who's, who's like up to, up to here on me already as a three-year-old. So, <laughs> so. What's the, uh, what's that experience been like being able to, you know, Ethan's three doing the math, you know, you know, going back to 2018, you know, or around then, what was that like to sort of, you know, have a child around that time and be able to share what happened then and what has happened since then with him? You know, the first thing I think about is that he's so spoiled. You know what I mean? Even at like age one, 
<laughs> like he got to experience a championship and you know he doesn't i don't want to say he doesn't like hockey he does he's starting to get into it but he just he loves trucks he loves um he loves you know little kid things like uh trying to think here um you know paw patrol like he loves stuff like that he loves counting he loves making messes you know hockey is a little bit too complicated for him and, it, and it's not you know he's not like sergey ovechkin who wants to skate and sleeps with a stick he sleeps with marshall for paw patrol so um but from my perspective is that you know if he does get into the capitals he's already experienced a championship he's constantly seeing them win and you know when when i was watching i remember you know I know Abe Pullen loved the team, but I, I remember that the Capitals were clearly secondary in that hierarchy to the Washington Bullets and now the Washington Wizards. And I remember there was a lot of times he wouldn't chase free agents and stuff like that. And, you know, it took a long time, but like, you know, Ted Leonsis really puts his heart into the team, puts his wallet into the team, and, and really tries to field a championship team, not just a good team or, or a mediocre team. And so, you know, like I had my heart broken so many times. So like when I look at him, you know, I just kind of laugh and like, well, <laughs> lucky. <laughs> That's all I think about. But we don't, you know, we don't really share too much. We watch hockey sometimes at night. Um, five minute attention span at most about it. Uh, but I don't know, like I, I, in a weird way, I'm thankful that he has other hobbies because um, I want him to be a different person. I want him to be his own person. And uh, I don't want him to like things just because I like them. I want him to like them for himself because, uh, you know, the love for that thing is much deeper when it's something that you discover yourself, you know? And so um, he likes trains. He built a train track into the kitchen today from the living room and was playing that for three hours. And, and that gives me the most joy, to be honest. So, Absolutely. It's a great attitude to have too. And uh, you briefly mentioned, obviously, some of those heartaches that all of us Caps fans and honestly all NHL fans have experienced with their respective teams throughout the years. But I'm kind of curious, you know, um, for a lot of us regular old fans, um, you know, we watch our team lose a big playoff series. And, and after that, we try to probably distract ourselves and and hop on. I know what I do is always say, I mean, the Ravens lost and now I'm, now I'm just full caps. And when the caps lose, I go full Orioles. I just kind of switch to the next thing. But um, for somebody like you, you know, you kind of have to write about it after it happens. And so I'm curious what that experience is like. Is it sort of helpful to sort of write about it after um, a big loss like that? Or is it really hard to write about um, a big loss or how, how does it go for you after that? That's an incredibly good question. Um, it changed. Um, in 2018, when they won the Stanley Cup, um, yeah, I, so like, I'll, I'll start there, is that when they won the Stanley Cup, I didn't really know what my reaction was going to be going into that game if they actually won. And when they won, um, I remember in the third period, my hands started shaking like uncontrollably, uncontrollably. And I just started crying. And I didn't realize that how much of that losing and, and, and just heartbreak just was going to come out like that, you know, especially, you know, being, I guess, one of the leaders of the community, um, you know, it's just, it was, it was so meaningful and so happy that everyone could experience that because honestly, one of the things that I, that I always said was like, you know, 
I just wanted to stay alive long enough to see him win a championship. And, and I was saying that in a way where I, you know, I thought it might take until I was like 70. Because <laughs> I just didn't think it was going to happen. Um, so, so let's start there is that, you know, I had a lot of emotion come out then. But going backwards in time, uh, when we would cover the team after those losses, like the heart, like the really bad heartbreaks, like the Montreal series in 2010, um, the Rangers year, I think it was 2016, um, and, and they lost, I think, game seven. And Holtby was like, like laying on the ice face down. Um, I just remember during those games, my heart rate would be like 150, 160, like I was running a marathon or sprinting. And I remember after those games, I'd be shaking still. And to be honest, we, Peter would always do a recap, and then we'd kind of leave it. And then we might pick it up the next morning. But it was such a heartbreak for us. And it was just so fatiguing. It's, it's, it's almost like when you go through a full season, and I'm sure, I'm sure the beat writers feel the same. It's like even if you don't love the team, like when you go through a whole season of, of that much detail and – and thinking through things and covering it just nonstop. When it ends, it kind of feels like a weight is lifted off your shoulders. And, you know, I think, I think when, when we would get to that point previously before 2018, um, it would kind of feel like that. And we'd feel that emotion and just let it out and relax for the first time in, in months, because we didn't really feel like we could bring much to the conversation beyond going in the comments and talking with people because it was more of a nuanced, emotional conversation at that point. But um, after 2018, I, I, I started understanding the value of learning how to break things down, talk more about why did that last goal happen? Where did things go wrong? And, and kind of covering more of the post-game stuff. And I, I feel like the last two years, we've done it a lot better where we're, where we're kind of, we left the emotion of it away. I think for me personally, is now that they won the Stanley Cup, like um what am i trying to say here it's like i don't i don't feel it as much like now that they won a stanley cup it isn't the highs and the lows aren't nearly as bad it's i'm way more even and so i can kind of it's it's easier to cover the team after those games but yeah i mean before that it, it was hard to to really keep going and a lot of times i cover most of the summer stuff just because it's more silly or up my up my alley and so um Sometimes the summer stuff is a little bit of a grind too, just because of that. So, but yeah, it's, uh, that's a great question. Was it hard to like stay motivated after those? Like, I mean, you mentioned those devastating losses. And as soon as you started to say that, it's like those three that popped into my head. Um, Like I can remember where I was and what I was doing and what I ended up like putting my fist through when those games were over. But, you know, after that and then you have to digest it and then you have to dissect it i mean is it hard to sort of motivate yourself to do that i feel like if i was doing it i would be like i don't want to get out of bed today and do this no i you, you, so yes and no i mean like, like i said is like before when i was way more emotional and devastating it, it would be hard to get going but eventually you come to acceptance and then and then you know that you have a role to fill you have a you have a job to do you you have a you have to help people understand it and start breaking it down or at least provide an area where people can start talking about it and, and just start bringing people together and, and find fun stuff to talk about next. Um, I, I think for me now, it's like, it's more of a business this is more of my life. Um, so like, I, I think in terms of that is that, you know, like the, the, you know, a lot of times after losses, it's also a time where people are struggling to kind of piece together why, 
And so it's really important and, and it behooves you to, to write about things after those periods of time. So, you know, I've always found myself, I, I think before maybe like the last couple of years, I always felt like um, there was a higher level that the site could get to, you know, either as a business or, or as uh, just, a, just like page views or, or like a certain level that I wanted to get to. So I always felt a sense of like, uh, duty and a sense of, of, of you know, like I, I was letting opportunities fall through my cracks. Uh, if if I if I were a fan in a sense of like I'd let the emotion take over me, and so I think that's one of the best things about doing this too is that when you cover something you love, you have to be really critical, and you also have to think. It really forces you to not think emotionally, and um, a lot of times, you know, you know, I'm an emotional person, so like that's really helped me grow up you know, as a mid thirties person, you know? So, um, so that was just part of, part of, part of doing this. It's just that, you know, there are times where people need you and, you know, so those times are, are definitely times where, you know, people like you guys, people like me, people like Japers, they want to know why they want to think about it. They want to get, they want to be able to understand it and process it. And, um, yeah. So as the only non caps fan on this call i can i can like feel like the the emotion in this conversation and it's funny because i have <laughs> i have a lot of i have a ton of friends who are caps fans but one in particular he's he's like a diehard ravens fan this kid could name you every player that's like third string backup special team since 2000 but that that 2018 run i feel like resonates with him the most and i could i'm just completely guessing here but i think for for maybe you it's like there was so much pent up like anger and disappointment for so long that I, you tell me if you think otherwise, I think it might've actually helped you because people gravitated towards wanting to like feel the positivity of something that's going to come. Would you agree? Yeah. No? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And like you said, is that it, I don't know why it's just like, you look at like the penguins, they won like how many, three Stanley Cups with Crosby during those years. Yeah. Um, and then you look at Ovechkin and you're like, he's just as good. Why isn't this clicking? And you eventually get to a point where it just feels cursed. Um, and I think that's something uh, even, you know, I don't want to delve into politics, but, but when things don't make sense uh, or things just hurt so bad, you look for, you look for stupid reasons why certain things are happening. Um, and, and I think everybody started believing in a curse. Uh, I think the players did too a little bit, um, where they were just, they were never going to get past the Penguins. They were just never going to get past the second round under Ovechkin. So yeah, it, when they won in Stanley, when they won the Stanley Cup in 2018, everything felt possible. You know what I mean? As soon as they beat Pittsburgh, when Kuzi scored in game six, like it just, uh, everybody's brain got unscrambled. You know what I mean? Um, so even when that Tampa series, when they lost three straight and it seemed like they were going to lose, they were going to lose after going up 2-0, um, you know, people, people had way more faith because of that Penguin series. And um, yeah, absolutely. I, it's been so fun. It, it, you know, I'm, I feel so lucky to be able to cover a championship season too. Um, and, you know, just going through that process, everybody was just so much more excited. The passion level you know, it's crazy. The passion level went up during that playoff series and that postseason. But after that, that that passion level remained at that level for a really, really long stretch of time. And so um, that was also fun to to really just 
feel like you're writing to just a, a whole bunch of people and and really trying to digest things and understand it and um and you know enjoy it and try new things too that, that when you have that much traffic you can start trying new national things uh bigger pieces and stuff like that maybe get a little bit weirder uh and see what really lands and and that that was a great part of that too so talk about the passion levels kind of right after that that cup win for us and um you know i've been a caps fan my whole life was pretty much born into it had no choice but um to me one of the most insane things about the whole thing was seeing just how many caps fans there were in the crowds and in the whether it was the parade or um outside of cap one for those last couple games in the cup final uh it was just shocking to me like how many caps fans there were and i'm curious if that was at all kind of surprising to you as well or if you sort of saw that um that amount of passion in your you know page hits and stuff like that leading up or if kind of all these fans came out of the woodwork what what was that reaction like for you um so that that's a great question uh, i so i tell the story a lot but i remember when i was in middle school at boundary creek middle um in frederick and I remember when the Capitals went to the Stanley Cup final in 1998 against the Detroit Red Wings on game one, I wore one of the Screaming Eagle white jerseys that day. And I thought uh, there'd be at least like 50 kids who would do the same, something similar, even a shirt. And I was the only kid in school who had a Capitals jersey on that day. And there was like three kids with Red Wings jerseys. And I was like, what? And I was just like, I just re- I just remember that being like, this is wrong. It felt wrong. You know what I mean? And so, um, you know, so 20 years later, they win the Stanley Cup. Uh, and I get to experience that through my site, which has a huge community of people. And um, I remember when I went to the parade, I covered it as media. That morning I went to... Uh, that morning I went to the Stanley Cup photo which was hilarious at Verizon at then Verizon Center and you know I remember you know them taking photos remember everybody taking photos now I hadn't I hadn't taken a photo with the Stanley Cup at all I had, I had actively avoided it all my life I only wanted to do it when they won the Stanley Cup a I thought it was bad luck a you know again stupid curse thing but b I just thought like it would be so much more special if I did it when, if they ever won the cup. And remember that day there was like a line of, so like the owners took photos with it. And then some police officers were taking photos with it. And I was just media kind of like milling about on the ice. And one of the police officers asked to take a photo, like DC Metro Police. He asked me to take uh, photos with him of the cup. And I took like three. I remember I got down on the ice to take one. And uh, the guy, I think, appreciated how much I did that. And now media wasn't supposed to take photos with it. And, uh, or at least it felt like that. Like, I, I don't know if it was explicit, but it was one of those unsaid things. And the police officer was like, do you want a photo with it? And in my head, I was like, oh my God. And so I go over there and uh, I take the picture, I put my hands on the thing and I touch it for the first time. And it just, I just remember that 1998 moment um, of being in middle school. And I was just like, I can't believe this is happening right now you know, especially after that sweep. So uh, that was really, really special. And then I remember I go to the parade and I think there was like, my guess, I, I'm not a, I'm not an estimate person, but like, it seemed like there was like 500, 750,000 people there. 
And I remember I was up on like one of the high rises over overlooking the crowd and and the stage. I remember walking over, there was like like walking over and like I'm just I'm just you know, you know, Alan May makes fun of me for living in my mom's basement, apparently, you know, uh uh, being like a basement blogger wearing sweatpants and I was like signing autographs walking to the media like position and then I remember walking up there and just being so emotional just seeing how many people were there uh, and just comparing it to to when I had been in middle school before and I remember that day or the, the day before I went out to lunch at like a mall in like Columbia Maryland and I remember that there was like everywhere I went in that like uh, that food area, um, there was like, everybody was wearing capital shirts and jerseys. It was like, hundreds of people. And it just felt like that passion level for the team had finally been where it wanted to be. And I, I remember too at the parade, one of the media people like pulled me over, I forget who it was. And they were like, you know, you're a, you're a big reason why this is, there's so many people here. And I remember, remember tearing up when that person told me that. Um, so it's, it's, it's hard to really put in the words like, you know, I'm kind of like guiding a, sh a ship a little bit. I'd, like, I don't really feel like I'm the captain. You know what I mean? I just feel like I'm a part of it. But um, it, it's been just like so emotional for me personally, just to love the team as much, see the level that they got to, see how many fans there are. I mean, I know Ovi is like 95% of that. Bruce Boudreau, Ted, Leonces, and the NHL building so many ranks around here and I don't mean rinks as in ice rinks I mean rinks as in like outdoor rinks where people can just go out and play um there have been so many people a part of this you know Barry Trotz Nicholas Backstrom but it just this really is a hockey town um I, and I think the media aspect of it I think this is the best media uh area of North America well not North America of U.S. like I think we have the best coverage at least online like I just think this is a really first-class area for Capitals hockey and, and hockey in this area, and, and I'm really, really proud of where it is. Like, I, like, I'm just, if anything, that's the most proud. That's the thing I'm most proud of. Absolutely. So. So kind of like switching gears more towards like the business aspect of things. What's kind of like the one thing that you've, or multiple, it doesn't matter. What's what's some of the key lessons that you've learned as you've kind of grown this brand and gotten it to where it is now? I mean, you obviously have the cliches where like never give up and all that, but is there any, like, is there anything that really stands out like a mistake you made or something you were like, wow, I, that was really smart of me to do. I think consistency is the most important thing um, is that being there every day means something. Even if you write something bad that one day that you're not feeling it, if you write something, if you do something, it, you, when people feel like they can depend on you for something, that's when you reach the next level. And so I think, I think that's the first, I don't know if I learned that, I always had that hunch. Like one of my favorite players growing up was Cal Ripken. And so that aspect of who he was, uh, you know, even if you're gonna go 0 for 5 that day, you know, maybe you're gonna make a good fielding play, but you're always gonna be there. You know, you're always gonna be a leader. Um, that, that always was something that I thought was really important. Um, I think it's always good to have different voices to, to give, people you know a different voice other than yourselves a platform and uh, i think one of the things i've learned is maybe not to you want those people to have passion for the team and express it in their own way not not in the way that maybe you foresee 
that's something I've learned. Um, I think the other thing is too is ask for help. Um, you know, I'm an extrovert. I don't I don't learn by you know sometimes I do, but like I don't I don't go through Google trying to figure out certain ways of going about things. I talk to friends. I think I talk to contemporaries. I talk to people who are smarter than me. I never think I'm smarter than anybody else. I always. I always kind of, I don't want to say I consider myself an idiot, but I always consider myself someone who has more to learn. Um, and when you listen to other people and, and you take their lessons and apply them or try them, um, I, think, I think that's where not only you can, are you constantly growing, but you're constantly getting feedback back from people who care about you, but are also going to be honest with you. Um, and I, I feel like I've been blessed to have just I, I'm surrounded by some of the most talented people ever in this area, um, and you know I just feel like we've turned something that's that's like a hobby into something that's professional and dependable. And you know I, I still think there are a few more levels we can go, but um, you know dependability, being honest and forthright with your readers too, um, you know not having this veneer of professionalism. Um, and, and listening to what people want is, I, I tell this story to a lot of people too, is that um, I'm not, newspapers would cover, so like let's say uh, 2008, 2009, let's say uh, Jack Hillen breaks his hand the game before. Back then, you know, the Washington Post would write their main story that day about Jack Hillen's hand. But on social media, what happens if Ovi is holding a cat? People are going to want to see Ovi holding the cat, not the a thousand words about Jack Hillen's hand. And so I think that's another thing is that you, you also need to listen to people. You need to take chances on content that are may, that's maybe more nuanced and out of people's wheelhouse. But you also have to deliver people what they want and have fun with it. So, I, yeah, another thing, too, is just, is just hockey is a fun sport. Sports are fun in general. When you take it too seriously, uh, that's when you lose people, you know, is that, you know, People think of hockey as the sport where guys are missing teeth, punching each other. Punching each other. Uh, it's silly. It's a silly sport. When you start taking yourself too seriously about it, uh, that's when something's going wrong. And so those are kind of the things that I've learned that definitely stick out in my brain. Um, and, and just also being nice to people, listening to them. Um, you know, um, being open to when you're wrong and trying to fix it. So, you know, you just have to have an open head open, open mind about things and, and just work hard. You know, I was, I was talking about this before we, we started the interview is that, um, you know, I was working two jobs and when this started taking off, I, I was staying up some nights two or three to work and then waking up at like seven or eight for my job and get four or five hours of sleep a night. But you know, if there's a demand for things, you got to meet it and, and you gotta, you gotta work hard. You gotta take care of yourself too. But if, if something is your dream, you have to put the time in, like you're not going to get good enough. And you're, you know, you're not going to get to that certain level without putting the time in. So. so moving into this season, we obviously, you know, come off of a wild season last year that included a pause and then a return to play. And obviously that affected some teams more than it did others. I think the Caps were one of the teams, in my opinion, that fell victim to that. And we're certainly not up to their fullest potential right before that happened. But now we move into this shortened 56-game season, new coach, couple new big pieces in there. What's your sort of outlook on this team? We've only watched them play two games up to this point. You know, how are you feeling about things right now? 
You know, I was pretty negative <laughs> coming into the season, and I'm actually feeling a little more negative now <laughs> in some ways. Uh, I think the first thing is they're in probably the hardest division. So I think that's worth – that's A. That's A. Uh, and then they're playing their division 56 games. So regardless of what happens this season, there's not going to be a team that – there's likely not going to be a team that pulls away with, like, 10, 12 points, standing points throughout the year. This Like, every game is going to feel like – kind of like a playoff game once guys get to that level. I actually thought that they weren't going to make the playoffs. And I actually think, still think that may not happen. Um, I think they have some roster issues that aren't really being addressed. It, it, it's kind of like, so like when they got Zidane Chara, uh, now they have Nick Jensen and Zidane Chara on their third pairing, which is great. I mean, I think they have one of the best third pairings in the league, especially if you look through three games and Chara, and Nick Jensen on the PK, uh, you know, they've taken that to the next level. So that makes them a better team. But I'm worried about their offense. And so if Genny Kuznetsov is probably one of the, my favorite players to cover, just as a fan, one of my favorite players, I love his attitude. Everything about him, I love. As a person that consumes hockey and analyzes it, he is one of the worst centers I've had in a long time. And it's so like people see his dashboard points, like his goals and assists and his playmaking ability. Like there is just a lot of things that you look at and go, well, he's a great player. But then when you look at the, his underlying play, it's awful. It's bad. It's like, so like there's, there's a thing called uh Corsi, which a lot of people uh, have talked yep. about over the years, like advanced analytics. Uh, and, and really, if you look at it, it's really at five on five, even strength, these players create more shots and create more goal opportunities than other players. If you're above 50%, you're being positive. If you're below 50%, you know, you're struggling a little bit. If you're at like 40%, you're awful. And Kuzi has been the last couple of years around 40, 45, you know, and the way it's not because he's not good or doesn't have a lot of talent or if he's inconsistent the way he play hockey the way he plays hockey where he will hold onto the puck too long or he'll go for the fancy play or he won't forecheck and score try to score a goal that way what ends up happening is that the other teams will take the puck the other way and then that line will just be just blanketed in shots and then they'll score more and so even though Kuzi is so good of a player probably one of the top talented guys in the league, at least top 10, um, he, the Capitals pay for it. So one of the things that I was looking for was um, how is he going to handle Laviolette? What I think he needs to do is play a little bit more north-south hockey and, and get on the forecheck more, which I think he maybe shies away from because he's had so many uh, shoulder injury issues throughout his career, especially in the KHL. So, he's a little bit of a problem, even though he seems great. Uh, John Carlson is another player like that who seems great, but just is not maybe necessarily a great defender. He, he, he creates a lot of offense, which makes up for some of his deficiencies uh, on D. But it's arguable if he's a, a guy that should be eating first pairing minutes all the time. Um, definitely on the power play, he's great. Like, like you know. Ovi, Ovi didn't score as many uh, Ovi shots uh, from the Ovi spot last year, but 
I mean, you can tell that he has that Mike Green precision on his setup pass. I mean, and he's a pretty good uh, power play quarterback. But again, like he's been on the ice for a ton of goals. Him and Orlov, I don't know if it's Orlov, I don't know if it's him, but they look discombobulated and they don't look like a great pairing. And so you have two of the top players on the team, in my opinion, being kind of like either meh or net negatives. And the team solely goes through them. Then on top of that, you're learning a new system with Peter Laviolette. And that, you know, they only had a week or two of training camp. So my kind of thoughts going into the season, which I feel like are kind of coming true a little bit, is that the team would take a long time to gel because of the new system. They're playing in a hard division. And then they didn't address Carlson or Kuznetsov maybe the way I would have liked to see. Like, I think offensively they might struggle to score goals, which is crazy considering how much firepower they have. Um, and so I, I just was like, I think they will be a fringe playoff team. And, you know, the, you know, I think the first two games against Buffalo are maybe a mirage. I think the second, you know, but Nicholas Backstrom was already talking about over the weekend how they can't string a 60-minute game together. And that was the same exact problem they had last year. At, at, at some point, it stops being the coach. You know what I mean? And it becomes the players and the roster construction. And I think they're going to have a lot of hard decisions after this season, especially if they're a middling regular season team uh, or they are a team – that misses the playoff altogether because you bring in Lavely Lett, you know. So we'll see. We'll see. I, I'm not super optimistic. I think maybe next year it, it could be a lot different. Um, if they make a few moves, um, maybe they get a little bit younger. They have guys like Martin Ferravari, who I think are NHL defensemen right now. Siegenthaler is an NHL defenseman right now. Um, McMichael I w- is arguably an NHL player right now. Uh, they have a lot of young blood, and I think you need young blood to be good, especially in a weird season like this. When I watched the first uh, preseason game, the second one was way better, but the first preseason game, you see the minor league guys just destroying the the regular guys. And it's it's not – I don't want to say it's effort, but, like, it, I think it was conditioning a little bit. It's just when you're an older guy, it's a little bit harder to get going. And so I think this season's going to be a little bit of a scuffle, and we'll see what happens. They might make the playoffs, they may not. I mean, they're good enough of a team to win the Stanley Cup, but they're also a good enough team to, to miss it altogether. So, yeah, that's interesting. And I mean, you didn't even touch on you know the goaltending issue, so that you know that presents yes. its own it presents its own challenges. I remember during that uh, that Islanders series, uh, you know, when things weren't going well, and people were like, you know, if you're going to make some lineup changes, you know, it's McMichael time. Let's throw the kid in there and see what he's got. So, yeah, um, what are your thoughts on the goaltending situation? So I think I think they have a great goaltending situation, but I don't think it's great right now because I think Ilya is coming off the injury. And so Ilya is the full-time guy, but he's coming off an injury, a short training camp. Again, you have that problem where you look at Vanacek, his first game, people are going to say, well, Vanacek's better than Samsonov. He isn't, but right now Vanacek is farther along than Samsonov, which I think that's clear. And so now you're going to have to have some growing pains on top of maybe some rust from Sansonov because he had that big injury over the off season or, or, or during the, uh, the pause. Uh, so that's going to be a little, that might be a mixed bag. It could be a big surprise, but that's also in the air too. I think there's a, just a ton of uncertainty about what this team is going to do. I, I know everybody I've talked to is like, I love La Villette. This team is so good. Just, <laughs> it's just going to, it's going to be a tough season. It's going to be a grind and um, you know, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> do you? Uh, how likely it is? Is it? Do you think that we see a goaltender besides 
Vanacek or Samsonov in a cap sweater between the pipes this season? I think it would have more to do with COVID than, than, than putting Craig Anderson in or Copley. Um, or Foucault. I was, yeah. <laughs> that would That's where we were going. That would, take a, that would take a major outbreak. <laughs> but um, I, uh, I don't know. Uh, you know, I, the way they're doing the season this year, it, it can happen, you know. Um, but I, I don't think they want to go down that road of giving Anderson games. Um, and I was actually – I thought it was kind of weird that they signed him instead of letting Copley do it, especially when you, ha- you signed Copley with a expansion draft deal. You know what I mean? Like this is why he was signed to a two-year deal back then was to go through the expansion draft. So you could play him. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. It's going to be interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely I, – I was shocked by Vanishek's game, how good he was. Uh, and I was, I, I've been pretty underwhelmed by where Samsonov is right now, but I think he'll, I'll get, he'll get to that level. I do. Big Fukali guys. He came on the show. So I had to throw that out there. Oh yeah. No, well, I don't, I don't, I, I, he, I forgot about that. I actually, when I was researching you guys, I saw that and I was like, Oh, that must've been really interesting. He, he's had an interesting career, right? I mean, he's played for like, yeah. what, like five, six teams already. Uh, yeah. He seems like a character. Yeah, no, he, he, he likes to talk. He's a funny guy, um, especially with the, the South Carolina guys like to give us the scoop on him. So it's, it's pretty fun. Yeah, it was a fun interview for sure. Um, this is like completely unrelated. I'm just curious. Like, one, how much has your eyesight gone from staring at like stats and screens and writing? And two, how, much, how many cups of coffee do you drink a day? Or, not, or are you not a coffee guy? There you go. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. It's cool because it's the child and he's drinking coffee. So it's oh, like one of those inception I see it now. coffee yeah. cups. Uh, yeah, I drink coffee all the time. It's more because my son kicks me awake at like 6 a.m. every day. Okay. Uh, I, so like I've always stayed up really late. And so like my main like REM sleep times are like 6 a.m. to like 8 a.m. Okay. And so like when I get kicked awake during that, I always have a tough day whenever my son is like twitching in bed and he, he like that's that's something that happens like you can co-sleep with kids when they're that young uh so like he'll start off in his room and then he'll run over at night because you know it's it's kind of like being in a pack it's like if you're away from your pack you feel really scared uh and kids kind of have that you know yeah. natural fear of just being alone and so um so like that's actually the worst part and so i i like today i'm exhausted because i played hockey yesterday he woke me up at six um yeah, so I've drank at least four today. <laughs> wow. Yeah. No, I just ask because, like, I, I feel like the whole world with how much technology is constantly around us, we're all getting some type of, like, but, deficit disorder, like, my attention span. So I was just curious. Yeah, me and Peter get really fatigued sometimes. Like, I'll get brain fog. if So, like, the opening – so, like, you had – last Wednesday was, like, uh, final, final rosters announced. You have all those interviews that are interesting. You have the first game on Thursday, the second game on Friday. By the end of Friday's game, I, I had brain fog and I couldn't, I literally could not think of words. I was, I like, I, at like 8.30, I checked out. I was like, I can't, I'm just done. I can't do anything else. Um, so that's actually what I have to, Peter has that too sometimes because he still has his day job. And uh, like I, for us, it's a grind. It, it, and, and we try to go fast. I mean, we're not trying to, you know, wait for an editor to to spend two hours on our stories unless, you know, there's a feature that's worth it. But like, um, we're trying to get things fast and, and go quick. And so that, that there is a 
there is a fatigue. My vision is good, but I start getting bleary-eyed when I've done too much, definitely. So that's an interesting question. Outside of Here? the caps, what uh what teams are you looking at, you know, this year that are you 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 say that this team could, you know, make a big splash or this team has a chance to do it all? Maybe outside of, you know, everyone saying Tampa, Colorado, Vegas. Um, do you have any dark horses for who could make some noise this year? I love the Rangers. I, I really like the way they're they're set up and I think um, you know, just they have that top talent that's young, still young and fast and developing. And then, and then they have some young, some really good young players in Kako and uh, Capo Kako and, <laughs> and Lafreniere. I, I'm really interested in the Rangers. I think the Devils are a little bit better than people realize. I think Jack Hughes is going to be a lot better. I mean, Vancouver looks pretty good. Holpe is maybe not you know, where, where he used to be, but that's still a big game goaltender. You know, he's consistent, you know what I mean? So those are a couple of teams. I, I think Colorado, it's the cup for them to lose this year. Um, so it's hard not to, to pick them out, but, but those are kind of the teams. I think there's still just, I'm interested in how Pittsburgh's going to be too. They added a lot of different pieces, some of which were horrible, <laughs> especially on defense. Oh, but yeah. I mean, I thought, that, I thought they looked really good yesterday. Um, it just, it doesn't seem to matter who's on the Penguins, just Crosby and Malkin are just so good. And Gensel now too, is that they're just always a threat. So. Yeah. As the Penguins fan of the show. Um, yeah, they had some horrible defensive signings. You're exactly right. (laughs) Hopefully. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, don't get me started. Um, (laughs) Hopefully Kapanen will be a nice little shoe in on the the first line. Hopefully he plays tomorrow night. We'll see. But uh, I know we're keeping you kind of long here. Um, I just want to ask Nick or Mac if they have any final questions. I think I'm all set. Thanks a lot, Ian, for coming on. It was uh, fun talking to you. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Sorry if I rambled too long. Not a problem. No, No, you were great. Honestly, thank you so much. And for, you know, especially for us, I can, I think I can speak for all three of us. It's, it's refreshing to hear like, you know, we're we're doing this and you're kind of like inspired, you're kind of inspiring me on the spot. So I appreciate it. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I I would say is that um, there are, I'll I'll just be really nice is that, um, you know, I've, I've checked out, you know, a lot of people do podcasts now. It's almost like the new, the new blog. Um, and no one does blogs anymore because Twitter and Instagram, you know, like it's, it really allows individuality. So like, you don't really need to blog to, to, to express yourself anymore. Um, but like what you guys are doing is really good and you should keep doing it. And, you know, as, as time goes on, you know, and you get some more guests and more attention, like it's going to take off. So just keep at it and, and keep working hard. Like you're doing, like, I can already see how professionalized you guys are doing it. Just keep it up. Just keep it up. Thank you. you. We'll do. Big thanks to Ian Olin for uh, joining us, albeit virtually. Uh, That was such a cool interview. I think, you know, you know, we talked about how much fun it was for us, especially, you know, Mac and I being Caps fans. But it was great to hear his story, you know, how this website sort of came about. And that's definitely something the three of us can relate to. And it's great to see someone like that who put their time and effort into it be rewarded the way that he has. Yeah, great guy. Um, I, I'm obviously not the cap a Caps fan, so um, I hadn't really dabbled a lot with Russian Machine Never Break, but the little research before and after the interview, awesome story, great guy. 
genuinely one of the nicest people we've probably spoken to at this point. So we really appreciate him coming on. Uh, let's get into the picks, boys. Let's let's rebound. Let's have a good week. Let's make some money. Uh, Nick, why don't you start? All right. To follow up the clusterfuck that was last week, I'll get us going with my puck line. Ride the hot hand. And right now, the hottest hand out there is Montreal. I'm taking the Habs on the puck line on Thursday over the Flames. So, Carey Price in net. I know Markstrom's starting for the Flames, but the way that this Habs team has been playing, it's hard for me to pick against them. Flames don't look bad either. Let me be honest. They don't. I just think the Habs look that much better. Yeah, I'd agree. The, the Habs, was, are, they were number one in power rankings for NHL NBC. Yep. There was the day last week when I picked the Habs to cover, and I, I, I'm I, an idiot, and I didn't read it that closely, and I, I just assumed – it was against the Oilers. I just assumed I was picking the Habs to not lose by two. And then when the game started, I was like looking at my open bet. Turns out I had picked them to win by two. And I was win like, oh, two. shit, well, that's not going to happen. And then they won like four to one. And I was like, wow, okay. <laughs> Literally made an accidental bet and I won. But the they're turning the into deal. like one of like the best like sneaky puck line teams, especially on the road. Uh, moving on my money line, I'm going to go with the Canucks Thursday versus the Sens. I'm expecting the odds on that to not be that great, but keep an eye on it. Maybe we'll have Demko and net instead of Holtby. Uh, that could move things a little bit more in your favor. And then I'm going to finish that off with my over under all three of my bets are on Thursday, the Leafs and the Oilers. If that doesn't scream over, I don't know what does. So I'm if, going with that. They, they, they played the, like two times, what, like a week ago or something. And they didn't cover it either time. And I was pissed. So I'm hoping this time you're right. I, well, yeah, they're going to, they're going to live up to the hype this time. I think. So we'll see. They better. Or, those two games will drop the line a little bit from six and a half to like five and a half or six or something. Realistically. Also, I love that Vancouver pick, especially if Matt Murray's in that his glove hand looks as bad as it ever has. So there you go. Mac lead us. All right. So my puck line guys, I love how the stars have started out. They look real hot. I think that um, they have a chance to be a real good team this season. Once again, Um, I think they definitely have a, a good chance at covering that puck line on Thursday against Detroit. Um, I've actually liked what I've seen from Detroit at, at times, but I don't think that they're uh, that good at playing 60 minutes yet. Um, it's more like here you'll see, you'll see some shines of good, good hockey throughout the game. And, and Bobby Ryan is always going to do his thing. Uh, but um, <laughs> yeah, I think stars puck line is pretty safe bet Thursday. Um, I'm also taking money line Vancouver. I, w- I went with Wednesday. That's the first of back to backs. Um, I was thinking they might be a little bit depleted. Maybe somehow Ottawa gets them the next night. I don't really see that happening. I just kind of thought the first night was a safer bet for, uh, the Canucks. I think when those te- when those two teams are both fully rested, there's just no reason that the Canucks should lose to Ottawa. Um, and finally, my over-under, I'm loving Penguins-Bruins over on Thursday. Um, I think that that screams goals, a game like that. Um, I don't know who will be a net for the Penguins. I think Jari is supposed to start tonight, so maybe it'll be DeSmith. But either way, both those teams score lots of goals. I saw some stat earlier that Penguins over has hit in like five of the last six games or something like that. So um, I'm feeling good about that one too. 
Harry, what do you got? Um, yeah, going back to your five and one Penguins over Nick. Last Friday, you called the Rangers pens over. Thank you for the money. Appreciate that it. That was like my golden pick of the week. Yeah, four three game. It was a good one. Um, so for my puck line this week, I'm going to take the Blues on Saturday versus the Ducks. Um, I don't. I mean, the Ducks are the Ducks. The Blues have looked like the Blues. I know that's the most shit analysis you've ever heard in your life, but I'm going to take the Blues on the puck line on Saturday. They should be able to handle the Ducks relatively easy. I'm seeing. I envision like a four to one type game. Manson being out helps that. The yeah. only feel like I feel like the only thing that throws me about the Ducks is Gibson. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. But you know, I had a good goalie like every year I grew up playing, and we still got shit pumped by. <laughs> we still got shit pumped by everybody. Nova Ice Dogs, all of them. They killed us. So it is what it is. Um, for my money line bet, I'm gonna take the Jets over the Canucks on Saturday night. I like what I've seen from the Jets. I think they're going to be riding a little high from this Pierre-Luc Dubois trade. The Canucks have been underwhelming so far to me. Don't let this three-game week, three game week against the Senators fool you if they win all three. Uh, Matt Murray is the worst goaltender in the league, as you all know. So don't be fooled, especially if Matt Murray's in. I'm hammering or, – uh, or, I'm sorry. If um, Demko's in, I'm going to go heavier on this. But who a, would you who would you rather have in net, Matt Murray or Martin Jones? Uh, Martin Jones. Martin wow. Jones. After the way you he helped me out this this week, I can't shut up about right. my fantasy team. I know you guys are like, shut up, but <laughs> right. riding this right. high. I won by like a point. It was sick. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Mac like Mac wins in fan, in our fantasy league by a point, and I won by point zero one of a point this week. It was absolutely nuts. You beat you beat Cam, right? I did beat Cam. Who's got Cam's got one of the best fantasy hockey team names out there right now. If you haven't seen it, is it appropriate he, to say or? Oh yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Is it? Yeah. Good morning, everybody. Oh wow! <laughs> Cam, take it back. But it's, I don't say it's not. It's not good morning, everybody. It's good morning, everybody. Yes. <laughs> oh, okay, Cam. All right, stepping up. Yeah, I'm not in that league. I can't. I can't keep up with fantasy hockey. It's too much for me. Um, and lastly, my over under Senators Oilers over Sunday. Matt Murray and that Connor McDavid on the ice. That's a match made in heaven. Let's ride. Um, so that'll do it for our picks for the week. We're gonna move on to our first liner versus fourth liner segment. I'll tee it off since uh Nick started us last time. <clears throat> so for my first liner, I am gonna have Tyler Toffoli. What a week. Uh, the Habs had a three-game series against the Canucks, and in those three games, Toffoli had a hat trick. He had a hat trick in the first game, and he also had seven points in that three-game span: five goals, two assists. Not too shabby, as Nick said. The Habs are the hottest team in the league right now, so I'm going to ride high with Tyler Toffoli as my first liner for the week, and my fourth liner, the rookie sensation, or lack thereof, might I say, Alexis Lafreniere has looked very underwhelming so far through his first five career games, not even notching one point as he's playing up and down the lineup and getting some cracks in the top six. Um, you know, he looked when I watched the Pens play the Rangers, he's good in the corners. You can definitely tell he's strong. Doesn't look like the speed is there yet. I know it'll get there. He'll, 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 
shove it up my ass. It's inevitable. But for right now, I'm going to lay low on the Lafreniere hype. I was going to uh, go with Tyler Toffoli as well as my first one, but I picked another one just to uh, kind of uh, have somebody different. But I, I just have to say Toffoli is awesome. And, uh, yes, he's on my fantasy team. Um, that hat trick was huge for me. Uh, he also won me some money. I, I I put money one night on like him to get a point, and it happened immediately. I was like, okay, cool, easy money. Um, anyway, my my first liner, uh, Nick Backstrom. Uh, you can never say too much about this guy. He's always underrated every single year, but especially in a time when the Caps literally are missing Ovi, Kuzi, all these guys. Now they're missing Wilson, who was their best player by a mile in their first couple of games. Um, the weight has to fall on somebody, and Nick Backstrom has – uh, I think he leads the team in points. I think I know he has like seven points. Um, he's been scoring too, though. I mean, we always think of him as a, a playmaker, but he's been able to find the back of the net uh, in these last couple games when we don't have guys like Ovi and Kuzi and Wilson who are um, much more frequently scoring goals. So Nick Backstrom, at a boy, buddy. Uh, fourth liner. This is uh, I don't know. You guys can shit on me if this isn't fair or whatever, but. Robin Lehner, I think that Matt Murray, if I'm if I'm the Vegas Golden Knights coach or if I'm just a Ve- uh, Vegas fan right now, Matt Murray is my guy. Or Sorry, Marc-Andre Fleury. I don't know why I said Matt Murray. Um, Matt Murray is never the guy. No, Matt Murray is never your guy. Uh, <laughs> Marc-Andre Fleury, he's been amazing. Uh, he shut out uh, – fuck, who was that? I can't even remember who they are playing, but one nothing shut out the other night. Doesn't matter. The point is, Robin Lehner, I haven't liked his game so far. Um, he's only played like three three games. I think him and Flurry have been pretty much switching off every game. But so far for me, Flurry is the guy this year. And that could change. A lot can change. But um, Robin Lehner has, to me, looked like he's kind of fallen off a bit from how good he was in the playoffs. Yeah, Mac, I completely agree with you in the sense of uh, taking Nick Backstrom. I attribute his success to nothing other than the fact that I bought his reverse retro jersey. So uh, you're welcome for the bump, Nikki. That I know that's exactly what you needed to stay the goat that you are. Uh, my first liner is going to be Alexander Romanov, defenseman for the Habs. Stick. Absolutely sick. I picked this guy up in fantasy. That jumped me that that 0.01 win over Cam in my, you know in our fantasy hockey league. And this guy's just been awesome. I mean. Steady on the back end, chipping in offensively. He's been everything that the Habs sort of have been looking for. I think they wanted this in like Victor Mete, but they're really getting it in this Romanov kid. Puck moving, speedy, great breakout, and then just being able to shut down defensively. So kudos to him. And then my fourth liner, I have to go with a former cap in Philip Grubauer. I also have this guy on my fantasy team. Got shelled. I mean, the Kings really put a beating on this guy and cost me four points. So... Uh, you know, it's been a tough outing so far for Gruby. I know he's splitting it with Francois, who's also a quite talented netminder. So, uh, you know, I'm sure he'll bounce back because I know Gruby will. But uh, yeah, I got to go with him as my fourth. Solid. Good looks, boys. Uh, and last segment here, we're going to do our little market report where we list teams that we think are trending up and trending down. Uh, for me, trending up. Got to pick my team, the Penguins, after a horrendous start against the Flyers and dropping two, the first two games of the year, currently on a four-game win streak, three of which have been decided by one goal. Actually, all four have been decided by one goal. Three of them have gone to overtime or shootout, uh, took two from the Caps, 
See the smile on my face? Makes me feel good. Took two from the Rangers. See the smile on my face? That feels good, too. Um, so, yeah, the team looks good. Brian Rust has looked amazing. Five-game point streak. So, I'm going to keep riding the pens. And then trending down, the Colorado Avalanche, who lost me more money than any other team last week. You can tell I'm a little salty about that. Uh, they're three and three right now and split a two. They split a two game. English is really hard. Let me tell you something. They split two two-game series last week, one against the Kings and one against the Ducks. You would imagine they'd at least go three and one, you know, if there's four games being played against those two guys. Uh, no, they split it. So two and two, three and three on the year. Not really a lot of consistency. McKinnon had a couple highlight reel goals, but I, I will – the one criticism I give him right now is that he's not playing like every shift as hard as I'm used to seeing him play. I'm sure it's just, you know, early season lag, no preseason, blah, blah, blah. He still is like top five in points, but just something that I've noticed as I'm watching them. So, uh, Mac, let's let you go next. So, um, for my trending up team, the Habs, uh, we've already jerked him off enough on this website or on this podcast, but. Uh, it's true. They've, they've really picked it up even from last week when they were already looking pretty good, but I think they're the real deal. Definite playoff team. Um, they're my up team, no doubt down. I got to go with the sharks. Um, and you know, I don't think anybody really expected a whole lot from the sharks this year, but the more that I look at that division, I really feel like that fourth place spot belongs to them. Like it's their, it's their final playoff spot to lose. And they're letting a team like Minnesota just walk all over them. And, and I mean, Minnesota's second in the division right now. If I'm the Sharks, I'm like, that should be me. I mean, I know they're only two points back from that. It's, it's tight. Um, it's early. But, you know, just for purposes of having to pick a team that I think could be playing a little bit better than they are right now, I'm going with the Sharks. They lost uh, – I mean, they split, they split games with the Wild. But that first one, they lost four to one against Minnesota and they had Devin Dubnik in net against his former team. I feel like that's one that you got to win. Um, Harry was talking about the Avs dropping games to teams like the ducks and the Kings. When you look at this schedule, you cannot afford, I don't care what team you are. You can't afford to lose games to the easy teams. You gotta, you gotta dunk on those because when the schedule gets a little harder and you got to play teams like Vegas constantly and St. Louis constantly, you're going to look back and say, damn, I wish we could have gotten another point against, gets the Kings or the wild or the ducks or whatever it is. So um, I got to go with the sharks as my down team. For my, uh, my up team, I'm going to go with the Minnesota wild. I feel like no one's really talking about this, but they've quietly risen to the second spot in the West division. They're only two points behind the Vegas golden Knights and they're ahead of the blues and the abs right now. I know it's early, but they're four, two and O they've got eight points. Kaprizov looks great. Parise has got some jump in his step and suitors, you know, beating the buzzer to tie games up late. So yeah, uh, Mac, like you said, they proved some problems for the sharks earlier on. And uh, I think they've looked great. My down team, I've got to go with the Rangers and this Philip Heedle injury just does not help that at all. They're in the basement right now right of that East division. And that's not a place you want to be in a shortened season because your climb out of that basement is just going to get harder and harder and further towards impossible as we get closer to the playoffs. So I don't think their goaltending has been all that great. The defense is obviously still a question, as we said in our season preview. So I got to go with the Rangers as my trending down team right now. Nick, what do you, I'm curious, what do you think of Minnesota's goaltending? 
I don't hate it. I don't think it's like the the long-term solution, but I would go ahead and make an analogy and say it's sort of like, you know that commercial where the guy slaps the flex seal thing on like the container of leaking water? Like it's good enough to hold you over for right now. Gotcha. Yeah, I don't think it's sustainable, but I've it's been interesting to see uh is it Kakanin, I think, the Capo Kakanin. Yeah. It's funny that yeah. it's so similar to Capo Caco, but right. um, yeah, it's been interesting to watch, but I don't know how sustainable it is. Yeah. Mac, who's your boy in the Blackhawks with the funny name, the defenseman? Slater Cuckoo. Cuckoo. He had a goal yeah. the other night. Dude, I he love did. Slater Cuckoo. Every time the announcer says his name, I, I get a smile on my face because I just remember last season how funny that was when you were you were picking him. Um, if I have a kid one day, I would name him Slater. Middle name Cuckoo? Yeah, maybe. Give him the whole thing. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> um all righty well that pretty much sums it up for us this episode uh do you guys have any final notes that you'd like to add can't think of anything uh new merch designs on the website as of a couple days ago so go check them out clean looking. Uh, good job nick they look sick really simple really clean uh so yeah go buy them please yeah do it yeah i'm all good here all righty. Uh, reminder for all of you listening, first-time listeners, we post live picks that we don't say on this podcast on our website. You can find them at www.emptybetters.com. Click on the Bets tab. You click on the Bets tab, you'll see the date that we post it. You'll see our pick. You can click on the pick, and it'll give you an explanation. You can find also anything else you want to know about us on our website, merch, podcast links, bets, about us, our sponsors, links, everything. It's all there. So go check out www.emptybetters.com. Follow us on Twitter as well. We're a lot more active on there at posting on-the-fly picks, live bets, et cetera, than we are on Instagram, just kind of the nature of the social media game. Um, but that about does it for us. Thank you, Brackish Life, again for sponsoring this episode. And without further ado, class dismissed.
Sleeping with us.